I'm going to share just for a few minutes today. Um, by the way, I am glad that you're here. I'm, I hope that you are glad to be here. It's a good day to worship the Lord together, and so I'm glad you're here. I'm thankful for each one of you. And, uh, but today is going to, it's going to have two parts. Um, first, I want to challenge us for a few minutes on, on some keys to being thankful in all circumstances as Paul wrote this passage that we read and uh, we have difficulty with, but uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about some keys to being thankful in all circumstances. And the second is I'm going to interview a couple and we're going to hear God's story in their life and uh, their testimony and um, I'm going to keep it a mystery. Some of you know, some of you don't know. So you'll find out in a little bit, but uh, so hold on, buckle up, it's going to be fun. But isn't it easy to be thankful when our circumstances are good, things are going our way, we have some peace, God's good on those times, but it's very hard when our circumstances are not so good. When we're having a trial, when we're having pain, when we're going through the fire, it's easy to be outside of the fire and look on and say to other people, well, be thankful in all circumstances. I've talked to Steve before, but he said, when you're the log in the fire, that's a different, that's a different thing altogether, isn't it? But what is true thankfulness? And that video clip, I, I have to, I like that video clip, but it's interesting what it even says and and and. and We've talked about this before. Jim and I have had conversations on this, but you can lose a little something with the video and the, the verse of Scripture because the, the video clip says, thankful for all things, but that's not what the Scripture says. The passage of Scripture says that we should be thankful in all circumstances. I don't think that we don't, I don't think we have to be thankful for things, you know, like I'm thankful for that bad thing happening to me, but we can be thankful in the midst of it through the power of Jesus. So I just wanted to clarify, it's a good video, but what are, what are we thankful for? Are, are we walking in true thankfulness before the Lord? Do we believe that God is causing all things to work together for good? You know, Romans 8, and we, we hear these passages of Scripture. Some of you guys might even have it up on your fridge or on your wall or memorize it. But I tell you, when you are going through the fire do we really believe it? Are we convinced that this is true? Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. And we can say that. But do we believe it? Do we really believe it? And the scripture that I read to open up the service um, from Psalm 111, it says everything that he does reveals his glory and his majesty. Everything. Sometimes it's hard to believe. So Romans 8.28, were those just words? Did Paul really believe what he wrote? I love Paul. Um, one of my heroes of the faith, just because of everything that he went through. And a lot of us know his story, you know, the, 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 the dramatic conversion. He was a Pharisee. He was persecuting Christians, people that were following Christ. This was the beginning of his days. The, the, the amazing testimony of Paul's life was that he was a great persecutor of Christians. 
He was helping round them up. He stood by when, uh, when Stephen, when we have the first martyr recorded in Scripture in the New Testament, and they are stoning Stephen to death. And we have Paul sitting by and, and, and watching on with a kind of almost a permissive glance, holding the cloaks of the people that were stoning him, saying, you know, this is what you get. And so he stood by and he watched this and he was on a mission to round up Christians and to reveal that they were, you know, way off and bring them to justice. And it was on one of these trips that he took that he was going to round up more Christians that Jesus confronted him. It says that he was blinded by a light and Jesus has this confrontation. He says, Paul, why are you persecuting, or Saul, why are you persecuting? He changed his name later, but he said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And so we have this amazing conversion that, that Paul gives his life over to Christ and this persecutor of Christians, God changes his life and he becomes one of the greatest Christians of all time and a writer of the majority of the New Testament. What an amazing story that is. And he wrote a lot of things in his life. You'd think that after he converted to Christianity that it was just, just life was just a series of, of, of wonderful events and he never had any hardships or trials. And you know that if you know any part of the Bible, that not to be true. But I love this guy's heart. He suffered great things. 2 Corinthians, just read 2 Corinthians. He gives a list of the things that he endured. I mean, he was shipwrecked a couple of times. He was beaten. He was imprisoned several times, mistreated. People that were close to him turned on him. And you would think that he would, you know, maybe rise up and say, Jesus, what in the world? Where are you at? Why? I didn't sign up for all of this. But he had something in his heart that was not of the earth. He wrote what you saw earlier, and, and, and the reason why I just give a little backdrop of his story is because the, it means a lot more when he's come through many great things, and he can keep his eyes on Jesus Christ. And he wrote this, more than just words, 1 Thessalonians 5, and you saw 18 where it says, be thankful in all circumstances, but right before that, in verse 16, listen to what he says. And this is, this is from the New Living, but it says, be joyful always. Rejoice in the Lord, is what he says. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You wonder what God's will for you is, is giving thanks in all circumstances. So how could he say this? Were these just words? And if you look at his life and what he went through, you know it's not just words. You ever meet somebody that's gone through something very difficult? And so when they say something, it means a lot more. Have you ever been there? You know that they are not just saying words, that they have lived through this. That's the redeeming power that we have in Christ. That he can make us what I like to call wounded healers. That we go through a trial. We go through difficulty. We go through stress or strain in our lives. And, and Jesus can do something through that to reveal his love and his, his, his faithfulness. But it's when you are the log in the fire, that is the true test of all of this. 
Will I be thankful? Will I keep my eyes on him? Will I believe that he is working out all these things for, the, for, for my good? And so how could Paul do this? What are some secrets that Paul used to follow his own advice? And I'm going to go through these quickly. Number one is Paul put his emotional, mental, and spiritual focus on what he had in Jesus. It had been easy for him to feel sorry for himself. The Jews wanted to put him to death. The Romans hunted him down and imprisoned him with chains. And again, I said this, some of his best friends, I'm not talking about just random people. Some of his very dearest friends turned on him. Have you ever been betrayed? Jesus knows what betrayal is. That's why Jesus understands our sufferings. That's part of why he suffered is that he could know us in every way. So when you've gone through something, you've suffered, you've been betrayed, you've lonely, Jesus understands you. But Paul set aside emotional, mental, and spiritual things, and then he set the, the, to focus on what he had in Jesus. He said this in Philippians 1, and here, here's that, and that key is, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. In other words, he said, no matter what situation, I am in a win-win situation no matter what. If I live, it's to the glory of Jesus, and Jesus gets glory from my life, and, 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 and I win. If I die, I gain Christ in eternity. I win either way. And so he did not base his life around his feelings. Feelings can be, betray us. And when we live by feelings and emotions, that can get us into a lot of trouble. And so he focused on what he had in Christ. Number two, he died to his own selfish interests. If you're tracking along in Philippians 2, where he, Paul talks about putting others before yourself, laying aside your selfish ambition. How could he do this? Well, Galatians 2.20 is the key. He says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. That's Philippians 1, I'm sorry. But he said, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ, but I still live because Christ lives in and through me. The life I live in the body, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So he died to his own selfish interests. That's how he could be thankful in all circumstances. Number three, he allowed every circumstance to teach him more about Christ. Philippians 3, 7 and 8, whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. Everything else is loss. It's all garbage compared to Jesus. Whatever earthly thing, whatever title, whatever stuff that you might be able to get your hands on in this life, he said, it's all, I count it loss compared to what I have in Jesus and every circumstance teaches me more about Christ and who I am in Jesus. Number four is Paul saw every problem as an opportunity to advance God's kingdom. Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sharing in his sufferings. Did you hear that? I want to know his power. And as people of God, we love to have the power of God, and, and we need the power of God. But Paul says, I don't want just the power of God. 
But I want to know, I don't want to share in his sufferings because when I'm not experiencing the power of God and I'm going through a suffering time that I can know Christ even to a greater level. Number five, Paul was, how could he be thankful in all circumstances? He was missional minded rather than maintenance minded. What do I mean by that? He wanted people to know Jesus. He wanted people to know Jesus. First Corinthians nine, he says, I become all things to all people that I might win them to Christ. And what I mean by not maintenance minded, he didn't have time for arguing over silly things that don't make any eternal difference. He kept his eyes on the mission and vision that God had given him. And he wanted people to know Jesus and he wanted to advance the kingdom of God. Number six, Paul thanked God for everything as it directed him back to the priorities of Jesus. Listen to this from 2 Corinthians 6. As sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. He knew that the things of this world pale in comparison with the riches of doing the will of God. Philippians 4, he talked about how he learned to be content in all things, whether I have a lot or nothing, because he says, if I have nothing and, and Jesus is all I have, then I'm a rich man. That's a different perspective. Number seven, Paul thanked God in every situation because he knew that God could use it to bring greater maturity, wisdom, and usefulness. And this is what I talked to earlier about being wounded healers, that he taught that every hardship become a catalyst for developing godly character, wisdom, and holiness, and pointing people to Jesus. That's why when people have gone through things, they have a great testimony to point people to Christ. Somebody that has suffered addiction, and God has set them free, and then they can talk to other people, and they can say, I know how you feel, and people really believe that. Or they've gone through where they've lost somebody close to them. They've lost a loved one. Or they've gone through the pain of divorce or a number of things that Jesus can use that as a catalyst to point people back to him if we allow it to happen. Number eight, Paul thanked God for every trial because he knew it would result in greater witness for Jesus. Number nine, Paul found true joy in prison through Christ, even singing songs of thanksgiving and praise to God. How do you do that? While he's in prison, and we're not talking about one of our prisons, we're talking about a first century prison. How could he sit in this prison and begin to rejoice and sing to God? It's because of who he was in Christ. It's what he found in Christ. And I'm not, I'm saying this, and you guys hear me preach this stuff, and you can like, yeah, well, whatever. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not even saying that I've got it figured out. I'm not saying that I have arrived and I'm helping you poor people along with me. I don't have it all figured out. It's, this is difficult. And I can roll through these and you can hear them. But until we get a, a revelation in our heart, it doesn't make a lot of sense to us. And that's why daily we have to keep running to him and running to him and running to him. That when we find ourselves prisoner of our own thoughts, our own emotions, our own circumstances, that we can rejoice in the midst of it because of Christ.
But I loved even when Paul, when they began to sing, he and Silas were singing in prison, that it began to be infectious. Their thankful attitudes began to affect others. And they were actually set free because of all that. And God allowed a, a shaking and all the chains fell off these guys. And, and uh, the Philippian jailer there, he was about to take his own life because they were about to escape. And Paul said, don't do it, we're still here. And this guy comes to them and says, okay, what I just saw, um, what do I have to do to get what you guys have? And that's what he said. What must I do to be saved? And they won this guy to the Lord, and they, his whole family gets saved, and they're baptizing everybody just through this moment where it began by them being in hor- horrible circumstances and them fixing their eyes on Jesus and praising him. And the last one, I'm going to close with this, and then we're going to move into part two. But I think probably the biggest reason how Paul could be thankful in all circumstances is that he lived with eternity on his mind and his heart. He understood we're not just living for this world. And that's very difficult for us because this is our reality. This is our reality. I mean, we... We work, we go to school, we're born, we're raised, we have different things that happen in life, bad, good things, good seasons, hard seasons, relationships with other people, family members, uh, you know, betrayal, hurt, pain, joy, all of that is our reality. And so it's, it, it is very hard and it's very difficult to say there is a different reality to all of us and that we will live forever. That when we die from this body, and that's what Paul, for me, to, for me to die is gain. When we die, we don't just stop living. We stop living upon this earth, but we do, not, we do not stop living. In a lot of ways, we just begin. And we will go to eternity. And we will stand before God. And we will give an account for our lives. And Paul had his eyes on eternity. I'm living for eternity. Living for eternity. That's when when sinful temptations come. He said, I'm not just living for this earth. And yes, sin is pleasurable for a moment, but I'm living for something greater. I'm living for eternity. That's how he could be thankful in all circumstances. Now we're going to move to part two. And I'm very excited about this because it goes along with everything that I just said. Um, Most of you guys know Isaac and Chantel Johnson. Love this couple, really appreciate them. They're amazing people. Um, most of you maybe know part or a lot of their story, of, uh, of testimony of what God did. Some of you guys might not know. Maybe you know only pieces of the story. But will you help me welcome them as they come up? Let's give them a hand, and we're going to hear their story today. Come on up, guys. We're going to put them in chairs here. Three. Yeah, thanks, Gary. I'm going to get them some mics. I'm going to put you guys here. I know. Get your own mics. Love these guys. I appreciate them so much. And I just want to, uh, first of all, just 
honor them and their faithfulness to God and uh, their love for Jesus. And we all going to have little notes here we're going to refer to. And But uh, I wanted to just spend a few minutes today, if that's okay, just interviewing them, talking to them. But first of all, how many know anything about their story? See hands. Okay, who knows nothing about their story? Uh, about half. That's cool. See, sometimes you think that everybody knows your story and then and, uh, they don't. But you may hear things today that maybe you knew part of their story and uh, there's going to be some probably some details that come out that you weren't aware of. But I'm excited just to be able to do this today to have them share what God did, what, what God is still doing in their lives because it's, we're all a work in progress. But um, four years ago, and I'm not going to say too much. I'm going to let them talk. Four years ago, Isaac was in an accident. And the first thing I want to do is I want to show a picture here. That was on December 22nd of 2008, um, right on 212. So I'm going to turn it over to you guys, and we want to just hear some of the story, what happened, and, and I'll, we'll, we'll just kind of talk it through, and we'll have some fun today. So. guys that don't know, Isaac was a, uh, he was, he came to Montevideo, he was a Montevideo city police officer. And uh, yeah, this was his day off. And so it's interesting, these guys were dating and, uh, and so it's really a kind of a parallel story. And like Isaac says, more than just the accent, but it's interesting um, what God did through all of this. But yeah, Chantel, from your perspective, you get the call and, and then kind of go, go, go from there. Well, Isaac, when he got into his accident, the semi had hit the light pole, which had caused the light to go out. 
And so I went and got the mail, and I seen all the cops going, you know, the, towards Granite Falls, and I thought, geez, whoever that is, I hope they're okay, you know. Um, called Isaac, you know, just told him, just call him to check on you, call me when you get out of the dentist. Um, 10 o'clock rolled around, and I told my coworker, I said, I gotta go call Isaac. I said, kind of getting worried about him. Um, that's when I looked up, and um, one of Isaac's coworkers and really good friends, and then another deputy were walking in the door, and by the look on their face, I knew that it was Isaac. Um, The only thing I really heard them say was that Isaac was in an accident, he got hit by a semi, um, and he's being flown to North Memorial. He's in Granite Falls right now if you want to go see him before he leaves. Um, so from there, I, we went to Granite. One of my coworkers drove me there and we got to see him and a paramedic and the doctor, they're like, you know, he'll be fine. He's going to have a lot of healing to do with his brain and stuff. And at this point, we didn't know that he had the torn aorta. Um, sorry. <laughs> so um, from there, then we went back to Monty. I actually, that was my car that Isaac was driving. So I got Isaac's car from my work and I went home and I remember calling my mom and telling her, um, I was really mad at God and how he could let this happen to Isaac and, sorry. So I was, you know, through anger, It's interesting too, as and, and that's okay. We want to hear. Um, I told her. She said, "I might cry." I said, "That's perfect. That's okay. We're we're, we're emotions. You know, we're emotional beings." But you got to understand the, the the extent of his injuries were were awful. Um, from my side, I just wanted to share my perspective real quick because I, I got a call from Chantel's mom that morning, um, and some of you guys that were on the prayer chain at that time um, remember praying for him because the call was that he had been in a very serious accident and uh, they didn't, I mean, it was just really, really bad. It didn't look good at all. And, uh, and so a lot of people began to pray. Some of you guys here in the church, you remember that. And we began to pray for, for him and we didn't even know him yet. And, uh, and so the, the prayers began to go up. But, um, you know, Chantel even asked me the other day, she said, is it okay that I say I was, I was kind of angry with God? And I'm like, uh, yeah, David was. Read the Psalms. David went through some times where he didn't know what God was doing. And so it's a part of the process. But, but go ahead. I want, just from my perspective, we, we're, so the people are praying here and what you guys are enduring too.
Yeah, the first part is more Chantel's story because Isaac was, he was kind of oblivious to all of it. I mean, he was in a medically induced coma for a time, but then the challenge for him would come later just to begin to relearn things. But go ahead, Chantel. One of the things that you guys told me is, and Chantel, just that they, they didn't give you guys much hope with this, did they? No. I mean, they were they were kind of giving worst case scenarios. I mean, that, like you heard, I mean, he's not going to do this, he's not going to do it if he makes it. Mm-hmm. You know, they described uh, the, uh, talk a little bit about uh, the x-ray of his brain and what happened with the traumatic brain injury. That is, that that's pretty fascinating. Um, they And then with his tornado aorta, I don't know if you guys know, but that is like, if you have a tornado aorta, your chances of living are very slim. I mean, there's no, there's not a lot of hope for people that have a tornado aorta. And I actually had the lady on the ambulance crew that told me that Isaac would be okay. When we had Isaac's benefit, she told me, she came up and actually apologized to me. She said that if she would have known that Isaac had a tornado aorta, she would have never told me that he was going to be okay. Because after she heard that he had a tornado aura, she felt like she had lied to me. Um. That gives you an idea, too, of how bad the brain injury was because they did that surgery first. Right. You would think that they would, the tornado aura would have been the absolute first thing that they would have done because that, that, uh, how serious that was. But they did the, tr- the, the brain surgery first, followed by the, the aorta. And then, you know, of course, the surgeries come. He's in a, how long was he in a medically induced coma, did you say? Um, January 1st is when they actually took him off the propofol. But ever since from when he got there until the first day, he was in range of induced coma. 
um, mostly because of the tornado or they wanted it to heal. They did take him off of football a couple times and his blood blood pressure was really high so that they were so they were worried that that was going to affect his repair and so that's why he was on the pro football for so long. Um, when they did take him off it, it was kind of scary. Um, his eyes were very empty and um, they told us, you know, worst case scenario, there's some negative nurses, some positive ones. We got one really good one. His name was Robert and um, he was like my counselor for sure. Um, you know, so positive and such a great person and um, they told us, you know, that I just might get angry and stuff like that and I thought, oh, no, that's not a good look. He won't get mad. And there was one time where I had left to go back to work and I came back and um, I had grabbed my arm and he goes, I thought you were coming to take me home and just like this really mean, stern voice and like he grabbed on me hard and I was so scared and so I called the nurse and they came in and I remember crying in his room, you know, after we went back to sleep and Robert came in and he told me, he goes, don't hold it against him. And I said, well, I wasn't, you know, but I was, it just scared me. And I, I'd never seen Isaac that way. So that was really hard for me. Um, that was only once, that only happened once. So we were glad that we didn't have to really see a whole lot of that. Um, some of the other stuff that we went through, um, Isaac thought he was at training for work at times. He thought he was in college at his apartment. Um, It's interesting, you know, the brain is trying to fire and trying to reconnect and trying to almost reboot. And, uh, and so that, I mean, it's just interesting. The stories, there were some funny stories that came out that he thought you were a nurse or something. Yeah, he or thought me and Isaac were his nurses. And at one point he goes, who's that old lady over there in the corner? And I said, Isaac, that's your mom. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't think she thinks that's so. <laughs> So Chantel, how are you doing emotionally during all this? I mean, you said that there's times where you just have to go find alone time yeah, and. Uh, I Um, yeah. 
so you guys get to the other side of this, and then, Isaac, you start, when, when does the memory start kind of coming? Because you, you're learning, you're starting to learn. He, he had to kind of relearn everything, walking, talking. Um, I mean, you, they took you to, you said North Dakota? Um, yes. Okay, okay, so you're in Fargo doing some of that. Do you remember... Because through all this, they didn't even know how far you would come back, right? I mean, isn't that right, Chantel? I mean, they, they didn't know how much he would cognitively get there or, or if it would just be a stopping, you know, if he would plateau somewhere. Because um, I think the original thing is they didn't know if he would talk or anything. And, uh, and then you began to make these strides um, to learn and, and, and to talk and, 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 and walk again and... and, and but then through that, and then you guys get done with it, you get back, and then it's interesting because I want you to talk a little bit more about how you guys feel like God used this in your lives because you begin to get closer to God. And, uh, um, yeah, so. Yes. So it's interesting that God began to stir all these, like even memories, that uh, short-term memory was, I mean, you, you still don't even remember the day of the accident or anything like that, or, or even a couple of weeks, three weeks after. But God began to even use this um, to begin to bring memories up that, that, that allowed you to deal with them.
stop doing the sinful things, and I went and forgave that person. That freed me, and I feel so much better. It was interesting the other day when I was talking to these guys and we were getting ready, you know, they, they both said that they thank God for this accident, you know, and then, and then, you know, and then it's because unless you've gone through that, some of you guys may be able to, uh, you've had a loved one or somebody that's gone through that, but, you know, you see this car and you're like, how, how, how could you be thankful? Well, you're hearing some of what God did and what God is still doing. And um, so Chantel, you know, just picking up on what he said of what, why, why you're thankful to God, thankful in this circumstance that God allowed this to happen. Because when you're in the middle of the fire, they were the log in the fire. It wasn't easy. I mean, Chantel had hard questions. I mean, uh, Isaac's that frustrating relearning everything. And, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I yeah, talk about um, that. just this is on another side note um like with you and you said your story about the prayer chain or whatever and um Nate where's Nate <laughs> anyway he um told me his story and he said you know and we never knew Nate at all before the accident and he said that he prayed every night he didn't know why he was praying but he prayed every night for Isaac and now they're best friends you know so it's just kind of cool you know before Nate This is why you were in the hospital. He was in the hospital, and you were there with all of his family. So it was kind of a get to know the family really quickly. So if she made it through that, you knew she was the one, right? So...
Anesthesia. Yeah, the ability to give anesthesia when Isaac, when they got to the accident, Isaac was fighting and just kind of out of it. So they were able to put him under and um, that probably saved his life. Monty didn't have that at the time, they do now, but so that was another thing. I mean, just little things that added up to it. If he wouldn't have been, they wouldn't have been able to put him under his AR proper would have exploded and he would have died immediately. Um, another crazy thing that was the weekend when that really bad ice storm and um, the helicopter from North Memorial actually wasn't able to come get Isaac. It was a helicopter from the airport actually from the cities flew Isaac or came here, picked up Isaac and then flew him to the airport where an ambulance actually met them and then um, drove him the rest of the way to the hospital. So a lot of little things. Um, it's just crazy that he's still here and with the tornado aorta being moved around so much that um, he obviously has a purpose to be here. I say yes and amen to that because it's in, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember the first Sunday that he came. He, he doesn't really remember it that much, but uh, the first Sunday he came and there were several people and Don and I were able to talk to him and I said, oh, you're the guy that we've been praying for. And of course, he had tears in his eyes saying thank you and, uh, and it was amazing that, you know, that, that God just began to bring them and they, they, they began to be, get plugged in here and he started to come in a men's group and just to, I can speak for the guys in men's group and Jim and I have talked about this before with, with Isaac. Um, is when he first came in there, he said, you know, I get a little bit nervous in front of people, can't really, don't like to pray for people. And then a few months went by, and all of a sudden, a guy, we'd put a guy in the middle, and, and Isaac's praying out over them. It's just, a, it's so awesome to see God using him, and God, you know, for, for God's glory, God using his life for a purpose, because he is here for a purpose. And this couple is here for a purpose. And, uh, and God is still at work. And, you know, I mean, we wanted to talk a little bit about the follow-up, because now they're on this side, they're married, they have a beautiful little girl, Rhea. There she is in the back right there. So, so you're talking about God's purpose is going even not just for this couple, but the next generation of why he's here. So um, Ray uh, Grace, because she is a ray of grace. And that's why they named that. I think that's beautiful. And we're dedicating her next week. Yes. Awesome. Come back. It'll be fun. Um, and so um, on this side, God's doing some amazing things, but there's still challenges. There's still things that, I mean, we're, 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 I mean we're, it's not like that they went through this and everything immediately got all better. Um, so talk a little bit about kind of what God's doing now and uh, where you guys are at. Thank you. 
<laughs> You're the only husband that can get away with that, man. I tell you know, it's like sorry, honey. I'd... As he's thinking there about that, it's interesting because they said that he would never drive again. He's driving. He'd be paralyzed on his right side. The last three years at Summer Serve, I, you know, um, for whatever reason, Isaac and I end up together working. This guy, he works me under the table. I mean, he says, I, and he, it's funny because he, he, we're working out there. We're chopping stuff down. I mean, he ends up like cutting trees down. I mean, it was like we were going to cut a couple branches, and then with Isaac, we we're like cutting trees down. And and then he told me, and which was kind of funny for me because he said, you know, every once in a while, because of this, I got to take breaks. And I, you know, and he says I got to take breaks. I'm thinking, thank God. <laughs> I mean, you know, I would take his breaks any day of the week. I mean, I was thinking working with him. I'm like, I need a break, you know. And so, but it's interesting. They say you'd never ride motorcycle. He's done that. He's never, would never ride horse, horses. And, and he grew up with horses. And uh, I can verify that, uh, that I've ridden horses with him uh, before. And here's another funny thing is, you know, he gets on the really fast one and uh, he puts me on dude. <laughs> dude is the, the big guy and he walks really slow, which is a great pace for me. So, um, uh, yeah, he's a big Belgian and he just walks just real slow, <laughs> stumbles every now and again. He almost falls over. But, uh, but it's just, it's just beautiful to see that, that all the things that they said he'd never do, that he is doing. And, uh, and, and just to see those little things like Chantel said. We're glad for your angels. They were working overtime that day, but <laughs> we're glad that they that they were there. But uh, I don't know if you guys have anything else you want to say or add before we close up. But uh, f- feel free. Chantel? Um, 
I wanted to read this as we close because Isaac had written this down. I want to just read this, what he had written here, just to kind of close up our time. But he said, it's amazing how one day can change so much. This is my day off, December 22nd, 2008. I was going to Granite Falls for a regular dental checkup. I do not remember that day at all. The night before, I remember being at Walmart with Chantel and talking to a friend. I used to believe that, that a severe accident probably would never happen to me, but it did. And I believe that we all need to really appreciate each day that we have here. And he says, I could have easily been headed to heaven or hell if I died. And just the reality of that, and just uh, you, uh, you hear their story, and it's amazing. It's a story that needs to be told, and I told them they, they need to write a book. Um, it's a great, great story. And, you know, we all have a story. Um, as they give their testimony over what God did and even being thankful in, in all those circumstances, um, I was thinking about this as I was talking to them the other day. I prayed this out. But in Revelation, it talks about that there's this scene of all these people that are around the throne of, of, of God. And it says this about them. It says they overcame him. Talking about the enemy. Because there's a real enemy that wants to destroy us, that wants to take us out. It says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. And that's Jesus Christ. That is the payment on the cross. And secondly, it says by the word of their testimony. The power of the testimony, the power of, of remembering what God did for you. And that's what Isaac also said the other day. He said when he's having those down days, when he's having some depressed days. And, and by the way, keep praying for these guys because, you know, that, 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 the things that he battles through and, 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 and faces. But he said it's on those days he remembers what God did and God saving him. And I said, you know, what, what an amazing way to combat that is when you're going through the fire. And, and some of you, you're in the middle of the fire now. You've been through the fire. Or maybe there's a, time, a season of fire coming for you. When you're in the middle of the fire, remember what God did. Because that's how you overcome the works of the enemy is by the word of our testimony to remember God, what God did for us. And just like Paul is, if you can't think of anything, remember the cross. If Jesus is all you've got, that's enough. You have all you need in Christ. And so I just wanted to have them share their story and uh, today because I just think of what an amazing story it is of God's redeeming power that they can look back and say, we're thankful for the accident. We're thankful that it happened because of what God has done in their lives. And we continue to watch them grow Watch this couple, a beautiful marriage, a beautiful daughter. And, uh, and just, again, we're so thankful for you guys. And thanks for, for sharing your story today. Let's pray and we'll close. And uh, let's pray for them. Can you extend your hand? Because we want to continue to pray for them. Jesus, we, we love you so much today, Lord. And, 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 and God, as we were reminded today, God, help us to be thankful. Lord, um, even as I shared earlier, Lord, we can look at these passages of what Paul wrote and what Paul faced and he endured. And Lord, we can go right through those scriptures. But Lord, they, it really is the word of God. It's really true and it's really powerful. And, and Lord, I, I, I don't even want to pretend that I have it all figured out. Lord, it is a challenge. Lord, it is difficult when we're going through something or Lord, there is a, a season, a, a trial by fire. It's hard to be thankful. But, Lord, make us eternally thankful. Lord, not just temporary happiness, not just happiness based on our circumstances, but, Lord, help us to be eternally thankful of what you're doing and that you are at work. May we be reminded 
of your grace. And Lord, we thank you for Isaac and Chantel. Lord, I thank you that, Lord, everywhere he goes, anyone that's ever known him or knows his story, they see him and they see a miracle. Lord, former co-workers, they see a miracle. Lord, that when doctors gave him no hope and they said he would never do this and we see him today and, and, and Lord, what you've done, we want to say thank you for this couple. And God, continue to give them strength touch them, cover them, protect them. Lord, we pray for Isaac on those days, Lord God, when he is experiencing depression, that your grace and peace would be there to remind him that you love him and you love this couple. And Lord, I pray today that we would all be reminded of your goodness, that we would run to you, that we would give our hearts to you every day, that we would live for you, that we would live for eternity. Because Lord, none of us are promised tomorrow. And Lord, eternity is for real. God, may we stay close to you. And Lord, I thank you for your people. Lord, we thank you today for who you are, for your great grace, your great mercy. And I pray a blessing over each one today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God bless you and have a wonderful, wonderful day. Can we say thank you to these guys one more time?
God.